Yo, it is Sam Sports Podcast. Today is Saturday, June 4th, 2016. Uh, I got a great podcast today. I got my good friend Jeff Mitchell coming on the show. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about the New England Patriots. He's a big-time Patriots fan. Um, and we also talk a little bit about uh, the passing of Muhammad Ali. Uh, I want to take a moment right now just to mention that. So Muhammad Ali passed away last night. I saw reports that he uh, he was ill, went to the hospital, and it sounds like it all happened fairly quickly and his health really deteriorated. We, uh, we lost a great. We didn't just lose a great boxer. We lost an icon. We lost a legend. We lost a figure who was big, not just in the sporting world, but in, you know, pop culture, in civil rights, in politics, in moving this entire, you know, humanity forward. Muhammad Ali has been a figure in our lives, in our consciousness for as long as I can remember. Memorable pictures of him, quotes, clips, scenes, and not just, you know, not just him winning great matches, but, you know, him opposing, you know, you, you know, that with the draft and, and, and standing up against war, changing his name to Muhammad Ali from Cassius Clay. I mean, this man was truly an icon in our lives. And uh, we, we lost a great last night. So, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to tell a quick story. The, the one thing that I can think of is uh, just recently, a couple of months ago, I watched uh, 30 for 30, which was uh, Ali and Holmes. And it was about the fight that Muhammad Ali had against Larry Holmes, where he was clearly much older, uh, latter part of his career. I think you could see, you know, the, the effects of Parkinson on him at that point. And uh, he went out there and he lost to Larry Holmes, but it was a very unique uh, view of the champ behind the scenes as he was training. And one of the things that really stuck out for me when I watched this documentary, which I watched just recently, um, was in, uh, in the evening, in a down moment, there were a few fans who came up to Ali and, and he sat down and he, and he showed them a card trick. He showed them a magic trick with cards. And it was clearly something that he enjoyed doing. Like he really enjoyed, you know, the magic trick, the cards, the sleight of hand, you know, he was really a showman, and he was someone who knew how to harness the power of being a showman and knew how to harness the power of being a great athlete and, and use that, that as a platform for the things that he wanted to do and the causes and beliefs he wanted to move forward and just a piece of our lives who we lost last night. So, Muhammad Ali, rest in peace. You will be missed. Uh, anyway... Enough of the sad stuff. We're going to talk about Muhammad Ali right now. Jeff and I will, will reminisce on it. We'll talk about Muhammad. You're going to hear about it, but then we'll get right into some Patriots talk. It's going to be juicy. I think you'll like it. Uh, so without further ado, here's me and Jeff. Okay, everybody. Uh, so listen, I have a guest on the show today. I want to welcome to the show a uh, good friend of mine. He is a graduate of Mid uh, Middlebury College. Uh, works at Namely. You guys check that out. It's a pretty amazing startup. There's a lot of HR work. Uh, but really... Um, I know this guy because uh, about, oh, I guess maybe about six years ago, he and I went on a birthright trip to Israel and ended up being roommates completely uh, coincidentally and uh, forged um pretty darn good friendship from there. So um, we're going we're gonna to welcome to the show a really good friend of mine, Jeff Mitchell. Jeff, welcome to the show. Hey, Sam. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. It's, uh, it's, it's been a while. I'm really excited to be chatting with you and... Uh, uh, I know that you are a longtime New England Patriots fan, so I think you can. I think it'd be good to have a little, uh, a little bit of your perspective on the show. 
is all very true. <laughs> Um, yeah, so listen, Jeff, I, I, I got a lot of questions about the, uh, the Pats that I definitely want your thoughts on, but I, I wanted to start out just a little bit uh, briefly talking about Muhammad Ali. It was, so this really just happened last night. Um, y- you know, I don't know what you saw, but I was definitely, I saw that he was, he, he was ill. Uh, you know, I saw a report that he had gone to the hospital, and then last night I saw it all over, you know, the news wheel that he had uh, he passed away. And and I think you and I can both agree he was an icon, a legend. Um, you know that we've really lost a great one. But is there is there any like what's what was your first thought when you heard that he passed away? What's the first thing you think of when you think of Muhammad Ali? I guess. Uh, I mean, Muhammad Ali is really the first athlete I can ever remember my dad teaching me about. Mm. And uh, I never, I'm not old enough to have really seen him do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, just if you follow sports and you've seen any sports documentary, you you know about Muhammad Ali. He's yeah. just, he's the guy. He was the guy for as long as I've been alive and longer. And, um I mean, just the amount of outpouring and everybody who's impacted and uh, the most quotable athlete probably of all time. (laughs) I'm the greatest in the world. I'm the greatest in the world. (laughs) I mean, no one comes close to uh, really the uh, poetry that 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 guy came up with just on a nightly basis. Yeah, And, and, and the brilliance in the ring, but also kind of being a polarizing political figure too. I mean, he was somebody that really transcended the world of sports into into really, you know, culture as a whole. Oh, for sure. Yeah, he uh he I think he brought people into sports and then had a world uh completely outside of sports of uh really important, you know, still going on issues. That, yeah. I mean, um, he was I mean, a very main relevant for 50 years and yeah. um beyond any athletic achievement. Yeah, and really somebody who, you know, you can go all the way back to the civil rights movement in the 60s, and he was there as a major player, you know, going right through the Vietnam War. Uh, I mean, this is somebody who, who didn't just win championships and could can never be described as simply a boxer. No, no, for sure not. He, uh, I mean, he really touched a, a lot of different areas, and I mean, one of the most influential and I think will continue to be influential uh, athletes in any any sport, um, and really just an overall like public political figure. Um, that it's it's a sad day for for him. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I I definitely feel like um, I I feel like you know this year has been a little tough. We've lost some some icons. You know, I don't want to say that Prince and David Bowie are, are sort of the same things as Muhammad Ali. But every year I feel as though, you know, some of these big pieces of our, of our humanity, these people who inhabit so much of our life, you know, maybe not on a day-to-day basis, but on the sense of, you know, you know, you see iconic photos, you see iconic music, you see iconic quotes come from these people. And, uh, it's, uh, it's never easy to kind of, you know, to say goodbye to that. And, um, I guess we all have to do that now with Muhammad Ali, and and the the outpouring on social media, I think, is a real example of how much he meant to uh, to all of us. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, so listen, I I just uh, 
I had I had to give that appreciation to Muhammad. I mean, it's uh, it, he was the greatest in the world. I'm the greatest in the world. I'm gonna come out there. I'm gonna beat. I'm gonna beat that Larry Holmes. I'm gonna beat George Foreman. Cosell, get over here. I'm gonna pull that rug that rug right off your head, dude. When he, oh my God, he pulled that rug off of Cosell's head. I mean, only 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 Muhammad Ali could get away with something like that. <laughs> he got away with a lot, but it was all, it, it, all seemingly in, in just just fun, and who you know, who couldn't like the guy? Yeah, and most entertaining figure. And it, and in some ways, you know, really speaks about the power of sports, and that to some degree, sports have that ability to 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 touch people in a way because. If it wasn't for his ability to box in the ring and to be amazing, you know, I don't think he'd have that platform. And you know, I, it, it it makes me think about you know how how important sports are in our life sometimes, whether we know it or not. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I think uh, you know, having having somebody who can use that platform the way he did, um, in some, uh, some not that every athlete needs to be a, a vocal political figure because that would also be a nightmare but yeah um you know somebody to to have that kind of what i think is a lasting positive influence on society um you know, it, it's good to see somebody be able to uh, have that kind of opportunity and you know, use it the way he did yeah i i couldn't agree more it's uh we lost a great one and it's it's uh, he he will be missed, and um, I think we're all going to definitely have a moment of silence for the man. Yeah. Uh, but let's 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 talk about the Patriots. Let's talk about some let's talk about some positive stuff. Let's talk about uh, you know, Mister Tom Brady coming back again, <laughs> trying to you know one last. It seems like you know, whereas some of these other quarterbacks start to show wear and tear, it's like he might show wear and tear, but he. It doesn't stop him from winning and throwing lots of touchdowns and getting single-digit interceptions in a single season. Um, but let's get right to the the guts of it right now. So the suspension is now back. They want to they want to suspend him. He's going to appeal it. It's all over again. We're still talking about the Flategate. It's years. We're now multi. We're over a year later. We're still sort of heaped up in this BS. What do you um? Give me your thoughts on the suspension. Do you think he should be suspended? Do you think he did anything wrong? Tell me what you're thinking, Jeff. I, I mean, I saw on on Twitter recently that we've uh, we're surpassed 500 days of Deflategate. Oh my god! I, I can't believe this is still going on. I don't really understand who has anything to gain from this, and with the amount of just See me. I mean, granted, I may be a little biased, but okay. just put it out there, man. Be biased. <laughs> all right, I'll go for it. Uh, the fact that just all the evidence has there's an explanation for absolutely everything. There's no real evidence of anything happening mm-hmm. other than just things in science. Yeah, and. Even the thing that I can't get over is even if this grand conspiracy was completely true and that Tom Brady, if you're going to go the route of Tom Brady is the most devious mastermind to find this random rule that no one knew about, (laughs) deflate balls to like an, an basically like 
negligible amount below yeah. a legal limit. Yeah. And and cover it up in a way that there's still no actual evidence <laughs> that it occurred. <laughs> so you're implying that not only can he pull it off, but you still you no one's caught him really at anything. No. There's no like smoking gun at all. Yeah. And then he goes in front of a, was it a judge? It was definitely, he went to court. The man went to court. So he, then you're saying he commits perjury <laughs> to support this claim that he did not in fact cheat by lowering the pressure in a ball. I, I just, I, it's crazy to me that we've come to this point that we're, it is, it is a waste of everyone's time. I like give the man a fine Suspend him a game, I like out of suspicion. But if you're gonna make it a four game suspension with all the draft picks and everything else that happened, and make it something that's like on par with the Greg Hardy suspension, yeah, which yeah. is for a horrible act. Yes. What the hell are we doing? I mean, I mean <laughs> what are we it. Trying it, to prove against Tom Brady, I'm, the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. It, it really, you know, I I don't want to admit it, and I don't want to sort of acknowledge the reality of it. But this really, this really starts to feel more and more like there's something personal going on between Goodell and the Patriots. I mean, I I feel like I'm starting, you know, I'm building up conspiracy theories, but. I, I've been watching this just as you have, and I'm not a Patriots fan, and I feel like I'm seeing something shady going on. Would you agree? I just don't get it. I don't understand the even if if there is something shady going on, which does seem to feel like that's the you know that to me is the most logical explanation. You know, there's something weird going on here, but why? I mean, yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. What could have happened? That everybody always said that uh, Bob Kraft and Roger Goodell are boys. They hang out at all the meetings. They're like part of the inner circle of yeah. Roger Goodell supporters. So it's it's, what, it's like good. What did, is the reason? And like, like did Kraft sleep like, with Goodell's wife? What happened here? <laughs> I mean, he. I don't know. Did he run over <laughs> his dog? Like what happened? But that even if that was true, let that come out because it would make so much sense. <laughs> I just want it to make sense. <laughs> There's a logical explanation for why they're trying to screw over Tom Brady. I want to know it because right now I don't know it. It just makes me hate everything about football. Yeah. And and I I just I I mean I for a game that was a blowout. I mean that game was a blowout. Let's it's been so long now we're not even talking about it anymore, but they they manhandled the Colts in that game. Yeah, they've won a Super Bowl and lost an AFC championship in the time that this happened. Like, can, can we, oh God, can we just move on? Apparently not. <laughs> We're bringing this back in front of more judges who I'm sure don't have anything better to do than talk about this stupid case. God, God. Just bring it, you know, it's it's like, a, it's that moment when you're like, you know, there's real people out there committing crimes. <laughs> And we're, we're talking about deflating balls. Oh, God. De- deflating balls. Yeah, this deflate gate is just, it's, it's almost frustrating that it's, it's still persisting to this point. I just, I just want to move on from it. I just, I mean, w- what else is there to dig up? This whole thing, when, remember they were looking at the text messages and the destroyed phone? I mean, the only thing that looks suspicious is the fact that he destroyed his phone. But, 
I mean, I don't want to defend him, but, you know, he's a cabillionaire football famous player. I would imagine getting rid of his phone is not exactly the most unique thing in his situation. What do you think of that? <laughs> I think it's crazy that the, uh, like, Tom Brady goes through more than one cell phone a year. <laughs> it somehow means that 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 is the linchpin argument in the he's the greatest like football conspiracy mastermind of all time yeah like it's that's what you're holding on to as oh here it is we found it like guess what tom brady went from an iphone 5s to an iphone 6 he's guilty yeah like it's i mean i go through a phone a year (laughs) who doesn't go through a phone a year it's you know you break one you it's you got to delete it because you have all your personal information on there. Mm-hmm. And you think he's going to turn over his phone with Giselle's, like, private cell phone number in it to just some NFL schmo? And, and, <laughs> I absolutely am not doing that. And the NFL have already sort of shown by their actions so far in this entire process that, you know, they're not on his side. They're not really trying to look for, you know, to be unbiased people. The NFL people. told them they didn't need his phone. They said, no, 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 don't worry about it. We don't need that. So he destroyed it because he got a new phone. Yeah. And, and you know, to the general public, and this is where I think the PR spin comes in, to the general public, they just hear the fact that he destroyed his phone, there could have been evidence there, and now nobody gets to see it. Oh, he looks guilty. And and that's what gets spun out in the, in the news media, and we just take it and run with it because, you know, the... You know, the general public is like a, you know, a mob. We get swayed by the first story that comes out. Now, it doesn't mean it's the truth. Yeah, yeah. The, you hear the headline, Tom Brady destroys his phone, you know, 11 out of 12 balls below the legal limit. That sounds, all, all sounds really bad. If you look for a half a second at any detail on that information, then I just don't understand how you can still come to the conclusion of, yep, like, greatest cheater of all time. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. And as a four-time Super Bowl. You were mentioning about the 11 out of 12 balls were deflated or or less than the, the standard of the league. I'm pretty confident that that was an early report that Chris Mortensen of ESPN, now I love Chris Mortensen, I think he's very dependable, very reliable guy, but I believe that report was shown later to be inaccurate. And I believe... Oh, yeah. And then it came out yeah. later that that wasn't the case, but we still hung on to it because it was the first thing we heard. Yep. And, you know, so then yeah, we kind of... That was the, seemingly the first facts that came out about the, ca- the case. Yeah, and which... The 11 out of 12 balls. Which, if anything, that was the first thing that, you know, was definitely one of the first pieces of evidence that made everybody sort of stop and raise their eyebrow. And, you know, we look back... Hindsight's twenty twenty, but we look back now and we realize it's a lie. I mean, it almost kind of makes me think of, uh, you know, the Duke lacrosse team. I watched that 30 for 30 recently. Fantastic lies. And I, I'm not getting paid by 30 for 30. I just thought it was an amazing <laughs> documentary. But it talks about that. It talks about the first story that kind of gets out in front of everything else. And it really sort of dictates the direction of the, of the, uh, of the story from then on, whether we like it or not. Yeah. Yeah, it's, if, that, if that's going to get ingrained in people's minds... And, I mean, if, if Tom Brady, you know, living in New York, if Tom Brady comes up, 11 out of 12 balls is the first thing somebody throws in my face. Yeah. Every single time. Yeah. And I just immediately want to shut down and not talk about this anymore because it's just not worth it. I'm never going to convince anybody of it. I mean, it really feels like they rigged the deck on him. It just, it just feels like... 
it feels like Roger Goodell gets to do whatever he wants. You know, he is the judge, jury, and executioner. And, you know, you said it, man. I, I, like, I don't see any evidence. And the worst part about it to me is, I mean, regardless of what happens with the actual four-game suspension, mm-hmm. you know, say he he serves it, he, he plays whatever, he still goes down as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, no matter what. And yet everybody's going to have that stupid asterisk in their head of, well, you know, there was that whole thing with the flake gate, like what was going on there? Yeah. And like the what was going on there is not an argument, but that's the argument that people make to try and discredit Tom Brady. Yeah. And just, and they just want to sort of I hate it. they want to leave that stain on him and and it's almost amazing how you know i i kind of think about this like i think about lebron james i think sometimes we get these superstars who for whatever reason they're so good that we that there's sort of a a portion of the public that just wants to hate them like oh, there's yeah. like there's just some they're just so darn good that somebody's got to hate on them it's like you know it's like, does Peyton Manning have that? Does he have a piece of the public that sort of hates on him? Because it feels like Tom Brady has that. Why doesn't Peyton have that? You know what I'm saying? I, it's all Patriot fans. They're taking care of that for everybody else. They're hating on Peyton Manning. Okay, okay. All right. I believe that. I can I can understand that. I, uh, you know, I, I wonder why someone like Steph Curry doesn't sort of have that same hate right now. Maybe just because he's so fresh at the moment and... I guess he hasn't really done anything to spurn anybody. Like LeBron, I don't know if LeBron really had that strong of a hate on him until he left Cleveland and went to Miami. Yeah, pre the decision. Yeah, no, that's a good point. The decision really turned a lot of people um, and has kept a lot of people in the kind of anti-LeBron camp. What do you uh, What do you think could have done that to Tom Brady? Like, do you think the initial Spygate? Like that one where, you know, that year they went 16-0, and 0, and I think it was like, what was it, week one or two, where um, it was it was Eric Mangini. Eric Mangini was coach of the Jets, and it was after a Jets-Pats game, and he does the whole Spygate thing. Like, do you feel like that's when the sort of, the hate on Tom Brady became a very ever-present thing? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a lot of those guys, they, no one likes a front-runner. Yeah. And, you know, when you're, like, People didn't hate Derek Jeter in the first, like, five years of his career, but then as he continued to just lead this, like, golden life and, you know, never – not missed a playoffs until, like, year 17 of his career or something. Yeah, it was something I mean, like you know, that. Some ridiculous stuff like that. Um, I think eventually that just leads to people just being like, oh, well, you know, fuck Tom Brady, he's just going to be in the, in the AFC Championship or Super Bowl every year, which yeah. is true. <laughs> they it's... go to the AFC Championship almost every year. I, you know, I totally get the sports hate for the guy who makes millions of dollars a year and just cycles between his beautiful women and then marries a supermodel. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's an easy target to hate, but if you... Like, I... I don't understand the hating him because you think he's like a bad person or like yeah. a bad quarterback or anything. You know, I mean, he's by all accounts supposed to be a very charming, lovely dude. So. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see anything, you know, any egregious scandals. He hasn't have any, he doesn't have any Tiger Woods issues on his hands right now. 
Yeah, I mean, he, he had a, a kid before he got married with, uh, with to Giselle. Um, yeah, and, and he Bridget, played that yeah, really no, well. No one really cared. You know, he just, because he, he takes care of the kids. He had a kid out of wedlock, and it was like, eh, good so, dad. Th- that happened. <laughs> Yeah, I, it is true. Who can get away with having a kid out of wedlock and being like, eh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, I'm sure he still loves his child and he's still a great dad too. But you know, he's he's Tom Brady. He can still make it work. He's still he he's just so beautiful. He is. He is. He is a. Let's be clear here. He is a beautiful man. <laughs> uh, sorry, I, I got carried away in his dreamy locks. Um. Can't look at too many pictures of him at once. It's <laughs> I'll get hypnotized. Blinded by the light. All right. Um, let's let's stay on the Patriots for a second. So another one of the questions that let's let's talk about. Let's move away from Tom Brady and his and his beautiful wife and his uh, and his his beautiful life. Um, so uh, let's talk a little bit more about the Patriots themselves. So Dion Lewis. Now last year, Dion Lewis, I think, was a revelation for the Patriots. Uh, former Philadelphia Eagle, which I'm going to give him a shout out as, although he did find a way to wash out on the Eagles and a couple other teams before he was, you know, discovered uh, with the Patriots last year. They gave him some good money. It was a real shame to see him go down when he did because I thought he was bringing, um, you know, a really nice uh, change of pace backfield uh, guy to, um, you know, he was really f- uh, filling that kind of Kevin Falk role with the Patriots. And, um, so he's he's got an ACL tear, which we've heard of many times now. Uh, with technology and, and advances in medicine, I think recovering from an ACL tear is much more feasible, much more of a you know a, a career being there when they come back. I do feel that it takes players about a year to really get anywhere near a hundred percent of where they were. But I ask you, as a Patriots fan, Jeff, do you think that Dion Lewis is going to be ready for Week One? And or do you think he's going to be bringing the same sort of, you know, uh, contribution that he brought to the Patriots last year? I don't think he's going to be ready for week one, um, but that's mainly because I think Belichick is a good coach that isn't going to ruin his players who aren't quite ready to be back. Yeah. Um, he's, he's really good at, at knowing, you know, well, this guy's not going to be 100%. It's week one. I have still, you know, a new, fresh roster. Let's get some other guys some snaps. Mm-hmm. And he'll get some other guys out there. And, I mean, the Patriots have never relied on a single running back yeah. that heavily in the last, you know, five, six years. Yeah. Um, no. And when they have, it has not gone well. So. No, no. It's. Um, I mean, they are definitely, you know, fantasy football. you got to be weary of Bill Belichick's running backs. You never know who's going to get the rock. Yep. Yeah, it changes all the time, seemingly, you know, with no rhyme or reason. Um, but, I mean, I also think the Patriots fan base has gotten maybe a little too excited about how good Deion Lewis could be. Mm. Uh, I mean, everybody seems to think he was like Barry Sanders last year. He did have a great year, but... It's it's not. I mean, they still had a a good remainder of the season without him. Yeah, and I'm excited to have him back. I think he he makes the offense much more dynamic. Being mm-hmm. able to 
run out of the backfield and catch a pass. Yeah. Uh, which for some reason none of the other running backs on their team can seem to do. Yeah. But um, and he can he can still also run up the middle. So yeah. There's really no two way running back is I guess the the biggest issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I hope he comes back soon, but not too soon. Yeah. Um, and he can continue to be as good as he was last year, but I, I just feel like as good as he was last year was not the you know, kind of Hall of Fame material that people are describing him as now. Yeah, it, it was it was uh you know, and it was a backfield where you know, you said it. Belichick is is definitely someone who's had multiple running backs in his stable. He's also kind of had a pretty good sense of when to let guys go. The last couple of years, he's gotten great production out of Shane Vereen and Steven Ridley. I remember when they were drafted. I remember, you know, they 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 definitely didn't get the rock right away. Somebody else had the ball at that point, but they were allowed to kind of ascend and get that opportunity. Um, but, you know, Belichick cut them at the right time. You know, their their careers are not over. And Belichick's always been good at this. He's always been good at, at kind of cutting a guy like a year before he goes off a cliff. And, yeah. you know, he did that, I think, with Vereen. And, and now Ridley, I mean, Ridley essentially was still recovering from an ACL and didn't even play for the Jets last year. Vereen was pretty nice for the Giants, but that's Belichick for you. He's like, you know what? Goodbye, guys. We'll find guys to, to take over your job. And, you know, I think a lot of Patriots fans going into last season didn't really know who was going to be running the ball, and out comes Deion Lewis in Week One and and becomes this you know this surprise. And I you know again it just makes Belichick look like a genius. And you know you're saying that's the same thing now. Deion Lewis is probably going to be riding the bench for maybe the first half of the season, and then the second half of the season, do you think he'll come back out and sort of be that second half starter who you know has got fresh legs, doesn't have all the wear and tear of weeks one through eight on him? And, uh, you know, they just come romping through like they're the normal Patriots and just beat you up and uh, end up winning 12 games. Do you think that's going to happen? I think that's going to happen. Well, I mean, I think uh, a lot of times injuries just figure themselves out with that. You, know, you start the start the season with four running backs and um, be on, on like the uh, designated to return list. And yeah. you go four games into the season and, you know, somebody tears an ACL is in the exact same position as Dion last year. And you just basically have a free trade, and yeah. that's um, you know just kind of managing guys' health in that capacity can mm-hmm. sometimes work out <laughs> very much in your favor. Yeah, and, and that's football. Next man up, you know, they still got I believe Brandon Bolden is on the roster yeah. still. Uh, is is Legarrette Blunt? Do we, did they resign him? They did resign him. They did. Re- um, oh. I think if he he could potentially um, be cut for not. Uh, too much of a cap hit because mm-hmm. it's a pretty low contract. So um, he's, you know, one of those no guarantee to go anywhere, but he's been there for the last few years. So dude, he's a win win. Who, yeah, who is going to take his his spot for them? Yeah, he's he's you know what he's just insurance. You have him out there if he gets injured. Oh well, you've got other options. But if he doesn't, I mean, he's a hard runner, and he has definitely found a nice spot with Belichick on this Patriots team because he initially you know, showed some flashes when he was with Tampa Bay. Um, And then I think he had pretty much been written off until, you know, the Patriots made him this brilliant, you know, four rushing touchdown against the Colts a game guy. Um, And you said it, you know, even if they cut him or he doesn't make the roster, that's a very, that's a very, you know, nominal cap hit. And that's kind of a win-win for the Patriots. I just, 
they're so good at what they do. So good at what they do. Yeah. Yeah, uh, there's, uh, they always have somebody ready to go. There's always someone that you haven't heard of that sort of just bursts out of training camp onto the scenes and all of a sudden you have some, you know, new first, second string guy that is changing games in the fall. And and then becomes like the guy who gets traded to another team or gets signed with another team and he's terrible there. <laughs> I mean, like, Eric Blood did that. He went to Pittsburgh for, like, a heartbeat and was bad. Or, no, he was pissed because he didn't get the rock. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of guys have uh, have left and, and not been able to have the same success as they had on, on New England, which is, is always, you know, I guess that's credit to Belichick and the coaching staff. Yeah, that's that's a real credit to the organization. I think they are great at, uh, at, mat- at um, fostering talent, uh, you know, finding, you know, getting guys to play to their strengths. I mean, the Patriots, I think, are one of the best in the business. Like, if the Patriots are the best, the Cleveland Browns are the worst. <laughs> you know, that that's kind of how I see that. Um, man, those, those Browns. Dude, the Browns, man. I can't even... If I was a football player and the Browns were the only team who would sign me, I think I'd retire. Yeah, but I like this. I mean, that's that's how well, I feel. I mean, you won't be on the. They'll cut you before long anyway. If you're any good, so. <laughs> if I'm any, if I'm any good, maybe I'll get a nice Dwayne Bow contract. They're not going to keep you around. <laughs> and, are you sure about that? Because they might. <laughs> or they'll keep me around for like a year, and then they'll fire everybody in the front office, and they'll they'll and they'll 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 cut me, and then the next front office will bring me back two years later when you know it's every it's all new people again. Yeah, you just got to get really good at impressing new coaches. <laughs> A new one every six months. <laughs> uh, well, here let's let's. Uh, I'm 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 rambling. I'm getting away from the Patriots. Uh, <laughs> let's let's get back to the offensive side of the ball now. Uh, the Patriots traded for Martellus Bennett, tight end, um, who has really done. You know, was was for a long time. I think a bit of an afterthought with uh, the Dallas Cowboys behind Jason Witten, but really, really came into his own with the Giants and uh, the Bears and has shown he's a pretty, pretty solid play at tight end. How, how do you feel about uh, the addition of him to the Patriots, being able to play with Gronkowski, that two tight end set? And I'm going to say it, possibly a, a true fill-in for the hole left by Aaron Hernandez. <laughs> The, the, I'm going to shoot my way out of this hole left by Aaron Hernandez. Um, how do you feel uh, well, about Martellus Bennett coming on the team? He, he who must not be named. <laughs> I was going to um, say, he who must not be named. <laughs> I, I am very excited for, for the Bennett move. I, I, I mean, they, I know that there's been a lot of how do we replace Aaron Hernandez. And Hernandez, if, if you watch a lot, he, he didn't line up as a tight end all that often. He mm. would, you know, kind of be there and then split out wide or stand in the slot. And because he was just a really big, really fast dude, mm-hmm. and he would just run streaks down the middle. And then, you know, it was just if he got past his linebacker that was covering him, which he <laughs> always did, Brady would, you know, lob a, a pass down to him and then be 60 yards. But, yeah. um, I think what uh, what Bennett is is going to bring in is just having two guys with the the hands to catch something within seven to ten yards. Yeah, because I mean 
Brady can't throw those 60-yard passes anymore. No. Like we, don't, we don't need somebody to stretch the field because he can't hit them the way he used to. Yeah. I mean, it's really the only part of his game that is, is just gone. Like, he just really can't do it. Mm. And for him to have more guys that are just, you know, going to run a slant and turn and look at him, mm-hmm. and he can just hit him in the hand mm-hmm. six yards off the line and, you know, kind of take four steps forward in a no-huddle offense and do the exact same thing again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what he's going to do, and they are just going to stack guys up on the line, create the mismatches that they're really good at creating, mm-hmm. and go through a no-huddle where you you basically have guys on the field guarding some giant like Martellus Bennett yeah. who are a foot and a half shorter than them. Mm-hmm. And, and just get know, physical. Just move down the field, get into a goal-line offense, and punch it in. And, and do it again, because be... got, now you've got Gronk and Bennett, two huge targets. Huge targets. I mean, these guys are giant. They are, they're, yeah. they're tall, they're physical, and they've, and they've both got great hands. Both of them. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Gronk is going to continue to be the guy that they use to stretch the field, but everybody else is just going to be right there. You know, they're, they're going to be the, the short 6, 10, 12-yard passes, mm-hmm. um, get the ball out of Brady's hands, make it so he's not getting hit, mm-hmm. and because when he gets hit, they lose. Yeah. And, and that's going to be... That's going to be the key to their their year. And and Brady has always been amazing at getting the ball out of his hands quickly. You put those big targets out there, it's like, you know, first down you hit Gronk, second down you hit Edelman, third down you hit Bennett, just move it down the field, West Coast offense style. I mean, I think Bennett's a per- perfect fit, and they've really kind of been looking for this because, you know, they had they brought in Scott Chandler last year from the Bills. You know, he really wasn't the fit at tight end. But Bennett, yeah. I think, has still got a lot of gas left in the tank. And, you know, it was it was a little unfortunate with him in Chicago because uh, Zach Miller really kind of took over his job there. And it was almost a foregone conclusion that he wouldn't be back. But, you know, if I, I every time I see a great player like Bennett go to the Patriots, I feel like if I was that guy, I'd be like, yes, the Patriots want me. It's like, of course I want to play for this team more than any other team. They've got the best chance at winning. So, yeah. I mean, I just yeah, when you're that that veteran that just has one, two, maybe three more years, and you're trying to squeeze out a ring. Wh- where else are you going? Like, why why are you signing with any other team? If yeah. the Patriots want you, and that's your situation. You're going there. Just go there. Just go be Stephen Jackson and get your first rushing touchdown in a conference title game. I wanted Stephen Jackson to get a ring so badly. It would have been really nice. It would have been so nice, but uh, it was. The run game was got really, really ugly at the end of the year last year for the Patriots. Yeah, it did. It was yeah, tough. It was rough to watch. Uh, Their offensive line was really just, uh, they fell apart. Dude, they... They, they couldn't hold it down. It was really tough. Their old offensive line coach, it was so bad. Yeah, they, they <laughs> fired him, and, and they're, didn't they hire Dante Scarnecchia? He's coming back? Yep. Yeah, he came back after two years in retirement. They, uh, I don't even want to know what that kind of... Like coaching offer was under you know behind closed doors. <laughs> Step into my office. Why? Cause you're fired. <laughs> hey, hey, uh, hey! Uh, you remember that game you you coached where uh, the offensive line looked terrible? Yeah, get the hell out of here. You just picture you just picture <laughs> that, Bill that Belichick. Championship game that one. <laughs> you just picture Belichick with like his hoodie and the cutoff sleeves, just being like, hey, hey, um, listen, um, so don't come back tomorrow. <laughs> you're you're done. You're, you can go home. 
you can go home. And uh, uh, this hasn't been working. Yeah, leave leave your hoodie at the door. Uh, um, so let's uh, let's switch to the the defensive side of the ball. Uh, so there's definitely been some shakeups for the Patriots on the defense as well. Um, they brought in uh, Chris Long from the Rams defensive end. They brought in uh, Shea McClellan from the Bears. Um, I actually they also brought in Terrence Knighton, you know, Mister Pot Roast himself, who was uh, who had kind of a forgettable year with the Redskins last year, but was really good with the Broncos a couple of years ago. Uh, has been a great defensive backstop. Um, bring, and then they also moved on from Chandler Jones. And this is something to talk about as well, because I'm a little curious, and I'm going to bring it up, you know, that whole incident he had with the simulated marijuana. Remember, like, it was like a week or two before the, the divisional game or the conference game where he was he was picked up with his shirt off, sweating, praying in front of a local police station because he was wasted off of this synthetic marijuana. What What... What was that? Do you remember that? Yeah, I, I do remember that. And I, I think the part that I, I I felt at least positively about was at least the dude freaked out and went to the cop. <laughs> <laughs> he, he knew, like, shit is going I'm down. scared I should I, find I a police officer. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, it could have been worse, but... Um, yeah, that was a that was a weird event that it kind of came and went, and I was ready for just a, a whole new media shitstorm around the Patriots. So, you know, like what's going on behind the scenes now? Yeah, giving out synthetic marijuana in the locker room and all this just whatever nonsense of anything that could have been said would have been said, and I I can only assume there just wasn't any kind of story there. Yeah. Um, for it to have died down the way it did. Yeah, and I mean, it must be. It's strange sometimes how certain stories like that, which sound like they could get plenty of traction, uh, just don't. And, you know, like you said, sort of come and go. And, I mean, the only story that I take from that is that it sounds like the guy got wasted and was partying one night and uh, freaked out a little bit. I mean, I think in some ways we've all been there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I and I didn't go to the police station when it happened to me, so... <laughs> well, aren't you the wise one? <laughs> Um, I mean, you know, he didn't he didn't do any damage that we know of. So no, and and like you said, maybe maybe that's why there is no story. Yeah, he didn't. Uh, um, but anyway, I I I'm I'm going off on a tangent. Let's talk about this defense. So, um, there were definitely some issues. I think, uh, uh you know, from a defensive standpoint, last year when. I mean, do you, let's talk a little bit about that conference game against the Broncos when they lost to Peyton Manning by two points, which was, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, Steven Gostowski missing the extra point. I mean, it was just a little tough. Um, but did you, what did you think were the weak spots on the defense? What kind of stood out as you as something that needed to be repaired with this defense going into this season? Uh, I mean, their their defensive line was their kind of secret Achilles heel all year. Yeah. And I think the only reason it didn't get exploited more is because the Patriots would go up 30 points. Yeah. And then teams weren't running the ball because yeah. they were trying to catch up on score. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that was really the way they won games and their strength was in their secondary. Um, so they were just kind of able to contain people. But once they played the, the Broncos, who... The Broncos defense kind of 
neutralize the Patriots' offense, yeah. and then the Broncos' offense was able to exploit that one major weakness in yeah. the Patriots' defense. Um, and I think bringing in pot roast, uh, really kind of just replacing Chandler and Chris Long mm-hmm. um, and getting a draft pick out of it, uh, you know, that that's one of the, the brilliant uh, Belichick moves that I think I've seen in a while. Yeah. Um, he, he can't afford to keep all these um, fourth-year guys yeah. uh, that are going to need a new contract. Mm-hmm. And Chandler was, Chandler was going to go. I mean, there was just no way some team is going to throw him stupid money. Yeah. And it wasn't going to be the Patriots. No. So, you know, get something, get, get something from him while you can, um, and turn that into some, some sort of asset. Uh, and then they signed Chris Long for peanuts. Yeah. And, um, I mean, it, I, I don't know if he's going to be able to, he's not going to be able to replace Chandler Jones in terms of production. No. But, um, But but again, Uh, I I feel like Patriots, they're going to get more out of him than other teams will. And they got him at a nice market value. Like it's like you're underpaying for a guy who's going to play, you know, above expectations, who, who already has, I think, a pretty high ceiling. And the Patriots know how to get that out of a guy like Chris Long. Yeah, they, uh, they've done well with it over the years. Um, I, I, He's another one I'm I'm trying to not get too excited about because yeah. the second they signed him, I was I was, you know just so excited jumping around and um and just like who needs Chandler Jones? Mm-hmm. We're we're good, um, but you never know. I yeah. mean, you never know if these these guys who who come from a different team and um I mean. There's plenty, like Albert Hansworth was supposed to be oh, oh. The, the Belichick recovery project, and oh. that didn't work out so well. Dude, Albert Hansworth was yeah. dead on arrival. He swings and misses sometimes too. Yeah, who was it? Was it Dominic Easley? Is that who they cut recently? Yeah, Dominic Easley is. Uh, that is unfortunate. You know, I think um, that's got to cut a first round draft pick and then not have a first round draft pick because of the gate. Um, yeah, that's. That's hard for a team to uh, to deal with. It's ridiculous, and and you know, but but even missing on a draft pick like Easley, it's just proof that no matter how good you are at this whole draft thing, even the best can do it. Can have will have a misstep in the draft. There's too many guys that get drafted for everyone to sort of always have a good track record. Would you agree? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think everybody and. Uh, Everybody's gonna miss, you know. It's just nobody, nobody's drafting like nonstop. Uh, whatever the Seattle draft was, where yeah. they got like nine starters out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, like you can't do that every year. It's just not possible. And I, I, I think Belichick at least is good at not getting caught up in sunk cost mm-hmm. and trying to like turn around his first round pick. I mean, he could have given. It's not like he needed to cut Dominic Easley. He could have kept him around and tried to rescue him, but. He let him go, and that guy cleared waivers. Um, I think he signed with the Lions, maybe? Yeah, I, th- I think you're but, right. he did go somewhere. Someone else is going to try him out. They're going to see what's left in him. Yeah, people, nobody was banging down his door to uh, um, figure out what was going on, mm-hmm. which you know, maybe that's, if Belichick doesn't want him, how good could he be? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, the, the almighty Belichick feels this way. It's like, ugh, that's got to say something. 
It's really just wide receivers. Belichick doesn't have any idea what, what a good wide receiver is. He, yeah. he can't draft one. He can't sign one. It's, every once in a while, he gets lucky with somebody like Edelman. But, um, I mean, Randy that, Moss. That is, Randy Moss, you know. Well, he's not some genius that like learned he really that's true. Randy Moss was already amazing when they got him. Yeah, I mean, that, that was a great trade that worked out really well. But. It's, it's like, listen, he, <laughs> he was still Randy Moss. It's like, you're going to give me Randy Moss for a six-pack of beer, I'll take him. <laughs> that, that's not his fault. <laughs> that, was, that Randy Moss was just giving away. It's like, you're giving him to me for nothing? Sure, I've got room in the back of my truck. Yeah, that, that worked out pretty well. Um. So speaking of draft picks, uh, what about the draft this year? Is there anybody uh, that the Patriots drafted who, you know, I don't know, that's that's really making you anybody that's giving you something to be excited or hopeful about? You know, uh, I mean, everybody's kind of like caught up with what what are they going to do at quarterback because of the Brady suspension. That's going to be um, four games. Garoppolo will be in yeah, there. It's going to be four games. I, like Garoppolo will, will come in. I'm sure he'll play fine. I, you know, it's, it'll it'll be whatever. You know, it is what it is. Um, to be honest, the, their drafts have been so up and down recently. I I have tried to not get too attached to any one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am weirdly excited about Cyrus Jones. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I Something about Cyrus Jones, just uh, the highlights that, and I, maybe it's because I don't really watch college football except for bowl games. Mm-hmm. So I've seen You're not alone there, dude. You're not alone. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, I'm excited for them to actually have, like, you know, if, if Butler continues to um, play at the level he has mm-hmm. and they can bring in another cornerback that, can come close to that or maybe exceed it. And plus they have all those other dudes from Rutgers that seem to do well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I like the lockdown defense. Yeah. I, if they can get a good, um, get solid lockdown pass defense and um, plug up the line a little bit with the guys like Potros, um, they, they should have a, a pretty pretty strong making of a, of a Patriots defense. Yeah, and it's it's fascinating how we think back to the first couple of Super Bowls that they won. You know, the defense was really the star of the show. You know, Tom Brady was oh, not yeah. throwing 50 touchdowns in a season. He was being a game manager and a smart one at that. But the Teddy Bruskies, the Willie McGinnis, I mean, these guys were the heart and soul of the team. And hopefully, it's been a long time since the Patriots, I think, have been known for having a dominant defense, and it's exciting to think that they could be getting there again. They could be at a place where they could be pushing around a, a defense like the Broncos. Yep. Yeah, and sometimes I just kind of wish that uh, Revis hadn't taken the money oh, and Revis. stuck around for a little while because they would be a dominant defense. I mean, he he did he is showing like he's losing a step this past season, and it, if you look at it another way, it could be another moment where Belichick actually lets someone walk at the right time. Yeah, that's probably true. I mean, Butler's interception in the Super Bowl, I think, was the beginning of of Butler kind of cementing his spot with the Patriots secondary, and uh, he's been pretty darn good. Yeah, yeah, I hope I hope Butler doesn't go anywhere for a while. No, I uh, I think he 
for homegrown undrafted talent, that's about as good as it gets. Yeah, I would like to think he knows where his bread's buttered. And, uh, you know, if he does get paid gigantic, colossal money, that sounds like something where the Patriots will let him walk and he'll go get big money from somebody like the Buccaneers or the Seahawks. But you know what? If he wins a Super Bowl, is the Super Bowl hero for a Patriots team, you know, gets a lot of, you know, great playing time with the Patriots, has a great career, and sort of builds up credentials to get a massive payday, then you know what? I think Bill Belichick has done everything he should be doing for a player like Malcolm Butler. And that's what, that's another great thing about the Patriots is just, they are the gold, in my opinion, they're the gold standard when it comes to teams in the NFL, and everyone should really be looking to them to see how things are done. I mean... I don't think I think I'm preaching to the choir with you, right, Jeff? Oh, I do not disagree. I sometimes I'm amazed when you see what what some of these teams are doing in free agency, and it's just like, like, is it really that hard to understand how the Patriots are doing this every year? Yeah. Granted, they have the unfair advantage of like Brady doesn't doesn't need a thirty million dollar contract. Mm-hmm. That is that is kind of the uh, ace in the hole when you're playing the salary cap game. Mm-hmm. But you still, you can't have four guys making, I mean, I, I know that I'm max contracts, but you know, that kind of max deal in the NFL that is tying up your salary cap. And if 50% of your salary cap is in five players, you're not going to do very well. It's yeah. just not going to work out. Yeah. I mean, I think of the Miami Dolphins. You know, I think in Dominican Sioux, uh, they, just, they just gave a whole lot of money to Mario Williams. I mean... It's like one piece of a massive team. Yep. And it's it's Yeah, and you and you went from like you had like a Cadillac of a front line and now you have a slightly better Cadillac of a front line. Yeah. For however many millions of dollars. For probably, you know, what? Maybe ten to fifteen percent of your cap is wrapped up in like Indomitian Sue and Mario Williams. That's a lot of money that's wrapped up in yeah. two players. And you know, for guys who who haven't, I mean, they've had some individual successes, but they have not gone anywhere in their career. <laughs> no, that neither of them have truly equated to wins. You know, I don't. Uh, maybe Indomitian Sue has one playoff victory with the Lions. I don't even know if that's true. I think they might have one victory, and I don't even know if Mario Williams has ever been to the playoffs. He was with the Texans and the Bills, and I don't think he was yeah, with the. Yeah, he te- might not have. He might like he might have. Maybe his last season with the Texans was maybe one of those years where you know they had those two back-to-back years. Yeah, they had some random years where they 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 won the division. The division was atrocious, and you know they they had those two years where they played Andy Dalton and the Bengals in wild card games, and I think they beat them both times. I feel like maybe Mario. Yeah, like I think maybe Mario Williams was on one of those teams, but then he signed some giant contract with the Bills and. I mean, the end of that story was how he clashed with uh, Rex or Rex Ryan last year with the Bills. That was that that did not work out well at all. Yeah, which is weird because isn't Rex supposed to be this like great player coach that all the players love him? And apparently, what, like, why wouldn't he get along with Mario Williams? I don't know. I I the word on the street is that I think. Rex was implementing a different defensive system than Mario Williams was used to, or one that, you know, a defensive system that doesn't play to Mario Williams' strengths. And 
You know, and and also yeah. this whole drama that's coming out now with Rob Ryan talking about how he was fired from the Saints and they took away his power and they were asking him to do a scheme that he wasn't used to or blah 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 whatever. Um, you know, Rex came out in one of those interviews because now you know Rex hired his brother. They're both working for the Bills. Um, yeah. And uh, Rex Ryan was pretty much coming out and saying, you know, he is. God bless him. He's someone who comes out and at least takes ownership of mistakes that he makes. He'll be like, yeah, that was me. I screwed up. Um, and la- and he's coming out now and he's being like, listen, this was the first time that I came in to a defense and the defense actually got worse in the rankings. And this was the first time it ever happened to me. And I'm just going to take it on the chin and be like, this was me. It's my job. I, I got to make sure I do a better job next time. Um, and I think that's kind of something to be said about one, you know, and I think part of that is clashing with Mario Williams, changing the entire defensive scheme when you come in. And, you know, I think he gets a little too a little too confident in his ability to just wave a magic wand and create an impressive defense. And, you know, last year was one of the first times Rex Ryan came in somewhere and it was not as easy as he wanted to make it sound. Yeah, I think that's true. It came... I mean, he sort of quieted down a little bit in Buffalo. Not a ton. Yeah. Maybe he's... I, I just... I've never liked the, the like, pompousness. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, he's very arrogant. You know, just... He is. And, and just picking battles in the press and trying to play games in the press is... It's just, just play the game. Like, I mean, I know that's, like, a Patriot... Like, annoying Patriot fan thing to do, but, mm-hmm. like, just... Just go play the game. I don't, I don't want to watch your dumb interview. He, like, takes shots at other players and other teams and other coaches. Like, just, just go out there and win. Yeah. And, you know, that's all you need to do. If you go win, then you don't need to play those games in the press. And now the one thing I will say, at least to, in a little – I don't want to say in defense of him, but, like, I appreciate at times that he's willing to kind of – because in my mind it's almost a bit of a mental game. He's out there really trying to... He is the guy who gets up in your face and is not afraid to talk trash. And Belichick, God bless him, he's like the Phil Jackson Zen master. He's just going to sit there and just move his chess pieces and take you down without you even knowing it. Um, And I think, in my opinion, there's probably more wisdom and longevity to an approach that Bill Belichick has than Rex Ryan. But I do think some of that swagger will give Rex Ryan a win or two here or there. But I don't think, I mean, do you think that the way Rex Ryan is approaching his coaching style and what we've seen with him coaching the Jets and now the Bills, like, is he going to bring this Bills team to the playoffs next year, Jeff? Well, I don't know about next year. I, I think Like might, ever? Uh... Do you think he's going to take the Bills to the playoffs in his tenure as head coach? I don't know. I don't think he's a good head coach. I, I think he should be a coordinator. Mm. I mean, I think he's a, a great defensive guy, but I just I don't think the style, his style of coaching and the offenses that he's had. All right, sorry about that, Jeff. You were talking about how you didn't think Rex Ryan is that good of a coach. Uh, go pick back up. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I I just I've never liked watching a Rex Ryan coached offense play play a game. I, I just think they. When you run it up the middle three times in a row, teams are ready for that, and you're going to gain four yards and then have to punt. Yeah, and it just it happens too often. And when it works, 
it, it is great to be able to control the run game, but controlling the run game isn't something that you're just going to do every game. Mm-hmm. And I, I just don't think he makes good adjustments when that doesn't work. Yeah. Um, your defense can only win you so much. Mm-hmm. You still need to be able to put points on the board. Mm-hmm. And that's where I just, I think if he was, um, I mean, him and Marty Schottenheimer should be paired up because yeah. they would probably co-coach an undefeated team because they just can't do the the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's such a good point because, you know, Rex Ryan's approach really is that old school sort of like, you know, ground and pound, man. He wants to take a running back and drive him into the ground. And in both stops of his head coaching career, he's had bad quarterbacks. He's had game manager yeah. quarterbacks. And, you know, I want to see more from Tyrod Taylor. I think Tyrod brings a little bit more to the offense than Mark Sanchez ever did in New York. Um, but still... Is their QB1 this year? Um, Tyrod? Yeah. Yeah, I, be- have- I believe so. I mean, I, I think they still have E.J. Manuel, but I think right now Tyrod Taylor is, is, the, is the man in Buffalo. And I think they, uh, I think they gave him some money. Uh, I don't think they gave him colossal money, but I think they gave him some money to you know, sort of lock him in as the number one guy. But again, you know, this is another team where Rex Ryan doesn't have sort of a bona fide passer. I mean, it's it's telling, and and it sort of it puts him in that situation where he's like, all right, well, it just means I got to focus on the defense even more, which is what he loves. I mean, he knew he didn't have a quarterback when he took the job in Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, listen, it's it's Rex Ryan. He's going to paint himself into a corner, you know, all the time. Five hundred. I mean, he'll he'll win seven, eight, nine games. Yeah. Somewhere around there. And, you know, he'll, and, and every one of those divisional games is going to be a slugfest. Yeah. You know, that, that's, I mean, you always get geared up to play a Rex Ryan team because I hate losing to Rex Ryan teams. Yeah. And his it's teams, awful. they, you know, that's, that, this comes back to the positive of being a player's coach is that he gets these guys riled up and they come out and they play hard. That Thursday night game, you know, the colorblind game when you had the Bills and the Chets and they were wearing red and green. <laughs> Which was pretty funny when I thought about it, but I, um, you know, that was another game where I think it was a slugfest. I think the Jets were, were I think uh, favored to win, and Rex Ryan's team came out and sort of stole it at the end of it. I, I, I feel like I'm remembering that game right, but it was one of those games where like they had to drag it out of them, like you had to fight and claw to win that game. And Rex Ryan's teams, they love that. I mean, they just he thrives on that. He wants an opportunity to throw his headset off and yell at somebody. He's really good at that. <laughs> He's fantastic at it. <laughs> um, well, listen, I uh, I think that's all I got. I just kind of wanted your your two cents on the Patriots. Um, is there anything you wanted to plug or anything you wanted to mention? Anything to uh, you want to say while you're on the microphone, Jeff? Uh, no, I don't, I don't have anything to plug. Um, it's, it's good talking to you. I, I'm sad that you don't live in New York anymore. Yeah, man, it's uh, I'm I'm sad as well. I. Uh, there's great things about Texas. I certainly like being here. Uh, I, I miss New York at times, but I must say there is something a little refreshing about having a front porch and a backyard. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty jealous of that. Yeah, and we're going to have to get you out here, man. I'm, I mean, just pick a weekend, you know, fly out on a Friday. We got an extra room, pick you up at the airport, eat some Texas barbecue. It'll be a good thing. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Definitely. Um, all right, cool. Uh, let me uh, here. I'm gonna I'm gonna sign off for this. Uh, 
don't go anywhere, all right? Um, but uh, we'll um, – so signing off, Jeff, uh, again, it was awesome to have you on talk about the Patriots. Um, dude, we got to have you back on the show soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was, uh, this was a lot of fun. Awesome, dude. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds good.